global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit sectorsPDRS.com or call 186-SECTOR, 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. We are watching oil. Oil is rising with global equities amid speculation that a production freeze by some OPEC members in Russia could eventually help to abate the surplus. NYMEX crude oil is currently up 6.3%. It's been extending its gains throughout the morning. It's up a dollar eighty-seven to thirty-one dollars fifty-one cents a barrel. Brent is up five point two percent, or a dollar seventy-four to thirty-four seventy-five a barrel. U.S. stock index futures higher as well. S&P E-mini futures up twenty-one points. Dow E-mini futures up one hundred eighty-five, and Nasdaq E-mini futures up about forty-six. DAX in Germany is up one point nine percent. Ten-year Treasury down five thirty seconds. The yield one point seven six percent. Comex Gold is down one point six percent, or nineteen dollars to twelve eleven eighty an ounce. The euro, $1.1020. The yen, 113.17. Dean Foods, the largest U.S. milk processor, posting fourth quarter profit that beat analyst estimates after it paid less for dairy supplies. Its shares up almost 4% this morning, and Allergan also beat. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Again, I'm looking at curve flattening today within a, a better risk-on feel. Uh, again, West Texas up $1.91 gets your attention. Mark Zandi uh, with us with Moody Anum. And analytics um, as, as we uh, continue forward. Right now, though, it is 848 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Clive Crook, a columnist for Bloomberg View. How to account for the success of Donald Trump? Part of the answer is class. I'm a British immigrant, and I grew up in a northern working-class town. Moving to Oxford and then London in the 1970s, I learned something about snobbery. But I never witnessed the naked disdain for the working class that America's metropolitan elite finds permissible in 2016. The targets of this disdain understand they're seen as bigots, too stupid to know what's good for them. They don't like being looked down on, and many of them are supporting Trump. Trump is outrageous, and that's the point. This isn't about policies or promises. He delights in offending the people who look down on his fans. The more he offends those people, the better his supporters like it. Supporting Trump is an act of class protest, not just over hard time, the effect of immigration on wages, or the depredations of Wall Street. It's also, and perhaps most of all, over lack of respect. That's something no American will stand for. I'm Clive Crook, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Michael? Let's bring back Mark Zandi now, Chief Economist at Moody's Analytics. Uh, we're talking about the global economy and how the U.S. is sort of the engine of the growth. And I want to get at that a little bit, Mark, and uh, talk about why you think that will continue. We had a very rough fourth quarter. Are you in the camp that suggests that was maybe an inventory correction and that we are back to, if not a great level of growth, the plotting level that we've experienced the last couple of years? Yeah, and, and the fourth quarter was bad in terms of GDP. It wasn't bad in terms of jobs. In fact, it was fantastic in terms of job growth. And that's what's most important because uh, at this pace of job growth, we're fast approaching full employment, which we're months away from. And that means stronger wage growth, and stronger wage growth is the fodder for consumer spending, and that's the engine for global economic growth. So, 
you know, as long as the uh, uh, American companies continue to hire uh, and uh, payrolls continue to expand, we'll be fine. And every indication is that they will. Uh, you know, we, the unemployment insurance claims are very low. They remain very, very low. And the most encouraging thing most recently is that the number of people quitting their jobs has skyrocketed, which, you know, people don't do that unless they feel pretty comfortable that they're going to find another one. So, you know, as long as the labor market hangs together, we'll be fine. Well, Mike, jump in here on this. You're better on the JOLT survey and all that. But this was a source of conversation at least three times this weekend is people really have shifted, Mike, on the enthusiasm to exit the job. Well, the uh, the, the quit rate certainly went up. And, uh, you know, hiring, in theory, will continue as long as demand is strong. And we saw reasonably good retail sales for the prior month. I just wonder, Mark, what you hear from companies and uh, what you think the possibility is that with the volatility in markets and uncertainty out there, and certainly with the crazy turns the presidential campaign has taken, whether we will see CEOs just put things on hold as they did in previous years when we had these black swans come out, uh, uh, Greece and other things. Well, I think I, clearly they're nervous. You know, I, I, in my business, I talk to a lot of uh, senior management uh, CEOs, CFOs, and you know they're focused on their stock price, and with the decline in stock values, it, it makes them uh, anxious. And it's more in stock prices, there's volatility across all financial markets globally. So there's no doubt about that. Uh, but at least to this point, uh, uh, you know, there's no indication, sign that they've actually called up their human resource head and said, you know, stop hiring, or certainly no one's saying laying off people. That hasn't happened. Uh, investment spending has been on the soft side, but, it's, but you know that's mostly energy. If you exclude energy, yeah. That's where I want to go. Where where is it X energy? Uh, you know, it's it's fine. It's you know, here I'll give you another statistic, Tom. You know, in this recovery, uh, investment spending real all in. You know, this whole shoot and match that businesses invest in is four point eight percent per annum. That's that's pretty good. I mean, in the last expansion a decade ago, and that was a six-year-long expansion, uh, per annum uh, investment growth was 4.1%. And if you look at investment in R&D and intellectual property, which is, you know, the, the most risky stuff with long payoff, uh, pay, payoffs, uh, and you think people, if their business are really scared to be pulling back on that, you don't see it. So, yeah, I, they're nervous. There's no doubt. Uh, but they're not nervous enough to say, you know, I'm going to pull back here, uh, at least not yet. What about the uh, the idea that um, the stock market's problems are going to have a wealth impact on spending, and that could push us towards recession? Yeah, that's. I worry about that. Uh, you know, we've done some recent research that uh, indicates that the stock wealth effect is large by historical standards. Uh, you know, historically, the stock wealth effect is about two, three cents. So every dollar decline in stock prices would reduce consumer spending ultimately by two, three cents. So that doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, just to give you a sense of it, a 10% decline in stock values, which is roughly what we've experienced here peak to current, is about $2 trillion in wealth. So that adds up to real money. But if the wealth effect is five, six cents, and that my uh, research suggests that it might have uh, gotten that high, then the damage will uh, will be greater. And, you know, that and that goes right to the heart of my thesis, you know, that the American mm-hmm. consumer is going to keep spending. So that's the key thing I worry about here, at least in the very near term, you know, what the damage is going to be created by this financial turmoil. In, in the last minute that we've got with you, Mark Sandy, help me with the Fed. Mike, I think we've been, it's important and understand with a meeting March 16 how Fed-free we've been in conversation in research this morning. What will you listen for from Fed officials, Mark Sandy? 
Well, you know, uh, it, we're coming into full employment, check. Uh, uh, actual inflation is actually picking up. Core inflation is picking up, check. We're not. We're still below target, but we're moving towards target. I think the key thing really will be, uh, you know, obviously what damage will this financial tr- terminal do, But and, and I think they'll be focused on unemployment insurance claims and labor market data to, see, to, uh, to focus on that. But the, the real thing I think they're now focused on is un- inflation expectations. That feels really soft. And that continues to be the case. I, I don't see they're just that's you know they're not going to be able to check that mm-hmm. box, and they won't tighten monetary policy. What's your forecast for inflation? We have seen a you know definitely moving up uh, of core rates. It's going to pick up. I mean, if, you, if my script roughly holds together, because the labor market's tightening, we're going to get wage growth, and then you layer on top of that a very tight housing market. Vacancy rates are at thirty-year lows, and we're getting very strong rent growth. And, and healthcare costs are going to pick up because it's very labor intensive, and as wage costs rise, uh, healthcare costs will rise, and the effects of Obamacare are going to start to fade a bit. So everything is adding up for inflation, getting core inflation, getting back to target over the next year, eighteen months, and then and something beyond that. Mark Sandy, thank you so much uh, with Moody's. Mike, the speakers starting with February 22 today, Potter, Fisher, Kaplan, Bullard on the 24th in New York City, Lockhart, Williams, Powell, Brainerd, and finally uh, Stanley Fisher, March 7, before we descend into quiet. There will be a lot of uh, opinions expressed um, Yeah, what is going to happen. And we have a pretty good idea of where a lot of people f- sit at the moment. And uh, it yeah. is not unrealistic yeah. to expect the Fed to do nothing on the 16th. He played 20 minutes, 28 seconds of hockey. That's a lot for anybody. The other night, he is 44. Yeah. 44. Well, he's down in Florida where you can, I know you're talking about. If, if you say so, yeah. I would sure, note. We can retire. 453 <laughs> second period. <laughs> Yager from Kulikov, who uh, was born the year Jeremy Yager started playing, and Yusi Jokinen. And then in the third period, Yager from Jokinen. And for those of you that don't know hockey, it's much different when you score when everybody's on the ice versus a power play when the other team has a man in the penalty box. Mr. Yager scored two goals to win the game, five on five. Got to give him credit. Remarkable That's physical remarkable. specimen. It uh, reminds one of uh, Gordie Howe playing yeah. into his 50s. You know, this uh, is maybe the roughest, hardest sport, and yet some of the it's people incredible. who have performed the longest have been in hockey. If you did power play goals, they'd say, okay, they set him up, the big gun in the slot, blah, blah, blah. Two goals, five on five at age 44. Is is I, I don't believe I've ever said that at any time or place. Future's up 22. Dow futures up 192. The yen, 113.21. Weaker yen today with a little bit. No, nicely stronger dollar, I should say. Another hour of Bloomberg surveillance. You need to be with us. Thank you.